Welcome to Level 7. A podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Episode 208, Luke Cage, Season 1, Episodes 8 through 10. Blowing up the spot, D-W-Y-C-K, and take it personal. Hello and welcome to Welcome to Level 7, a podcast about Marvel's cinematic universe, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the Netflix series, the movies, and whatever other crazy stuff they're going to throw at us next, like... I don't know, IMAX movies and stuff like that. We're here to talk about Luke Cage, Season 1, Episodes 8 through 10. And I am Ben, your not-so-confident host, as I talk about what we're going to talk about today. And I am not alone. I am here with Agent Stewart. Agent Stewart. It's okay, Ben. It's been a long week. And it's at the end of the week. And you're tired. It's fine. Yeah, it's, it's been fine. a long week all month. It's been a long week all year. Yeah. yeah. So here we are. We're going to talk about some Luke Cage and we're going to do as we are now doing with Netflix, uh, do it a little bit quicker. Uh, we're dividing all of our Netflix series and just doing them in four episodes. So Luke Cage, Iron Fist and Defenders will all be four episodes each. After that, with Punisher, when that comes, we'll we'll take it as we take it. But um, this is the current plan and I think this will get us done before or around the time in humans launches, which is going to be a whole different kind of crazy. Maybe, well, yeah. maybe even two different kinds of crazy. I don't know. There's multiple levels of crazy happening when that happens. Yeah. And so we have switched things up with the initial reactions. Those calls that we made after we watched this the first time, uh, those initial reactions to the episodes that Daniel Butcher, the other founding member, along with me, um, called in. I called in. And, Stuart, you called in for a couple of these. I did, Cage. didn't I? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you called in for all of them, because, but I do know you didn't. No. I know you didn't call in for all of them. I'm just not sure how many you actually called in. But. That was like a year ago. I can't remember if I called in for you know pizza earlier tonight. Hope the kids got eaten. You hope the kids got eaten <laughs> by the pizza monster. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Just, just gloss over it. We're just, just going to keep moving on that one. <laughs> yeah. Just we're done. We, moving on. We've we've started and stopped this recording too many times already. So yeah, <laughs> we're just going to keep on moving after that one. But uh, those that's what you can expect after for our end credits. And so one of the reasons I bring that up, Stuart, is I wanted to ask you a question mm-hmm. that has to do. It's relevant. It's it's not MCU, but it is definitely adjacent to what we do here. And that is, have you had a chance to watch any of the tick yet from Amazon? Very little of it. Okay. But well, there's only six episodes, I believe. There's only six episodes. I have watched enough of it to have an opinion. And I'm going to be honest. I miss it. It's it's whatever it is. It's a it's a funny. Yeah. It's a tick show. I miss Patrick Warburton. That's mm. what it comes down to me. I'm sitting there watching this thing, and I'm like, but but it's not putty. There's no Patrick yeah. Warburton going on in this, yeah. and that's what I miss. Yeah, they were doing half-hour sitcom live-action superhero stuff before yeah. DC crashed and burned with 
whatever that Powers show was that they did. I mean, that was, yeah. I mean, they were doing the Tick live action. Gosh, that was like 15 years ago. It was a long time ago. And yeah, it was the Seinfeld of superhero TV shows. Yes. And it was a lot of fun. And the cartoon was a lot of fun. And the comic mm-hmm. book was a lot of fun. This new series, I'm just going to say, I like it because of the vibe that they're trying to give, which is, it feels like a modern day uh, 66 Batman. So a modern day Adam West Batman kind of thing. The reason I throw in the modern day part is because the Adam West Batman, every single part of it took itself seriously, except for the villains who were so over the top and they were mm-hmm. over the top on purpose. And this, the tick, which I'm, I'm enjoying. I, I've only seen a few episodes. I haven't seen the whole series yet um, or the whole season or whatever, but the, uh, the guy who plays the tick, he is like, if you took a blender, right? And mm-hmm. he's stuck in James Spader and stuck in Adam West and then blended them up. That's who you'd have playing the tick right now. So basically Ultron and Batman together in one place. But it's like the funny James Spader, not the Ultron James Spader. Anyway, it's the tick himself. He takes everything so seriously and everything else around it is a little bit crazy and a little bit over the top. But then there's also just a slight um, edge to it given by the characters kind of recognizing the, some of the characters recognizing, you know, the, the wackiness of, of where they are mm-hmm. and, w- and what they're doing. Yeah. And, you know, and Batman 66 never did that. The, the characters who were all involved in all that stuff never stopped to say, you know, this is a little crazy, but in, in the tick they do. Anyway, yeah. It's also got some depth to the storytelling and the universe building. And it's, it's some good stuff. Uh, not I'm for the kids. No, which is also another sad part because the cartoon, you know, was for the kids. Yeah. yeah. The cartoon Ish. was was for the kids, but appealed to a broader yeah. audience. And whereas this is definitely meant for the the audience that watched the cartoon when they were a kid, right? Who are now adults. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, that's. Since we're not doing post-credit stuff, this would have been a post-credit thing. Yes, it would have. Where we would have played the credits, and then I would have said, hey, Stuart, after the credits rolled, have you watched The Tick? And then we would have ended We would that. have had that exact same conversation. Yeah. yeah. But instead, we just had it just now, and mm-hmm. that's fine. We are here now not to talk about The Tick, but to talk about another uh, original series that is internet first, like The Tick. The Tick is Amazon Prime. And... This is Netflix. Luke Cage. We are in the the third quadrant of the Luke Cage coverage, and that is episodes eight through ten. And I don't know about you, Stuart, mm-hmm. but this is where, for me, Luke Cage turns into a little bit of a mixed bag. It's it's it starts out so strong for me, and then in about this area here, basically after we lose Cottonmouth. Mm-hmm. And we start focusing in on on Diamondback, a uh, different snake-themed villain from the mm-hmm. comics. Um, once we start focusing in on Diamondback, that's where I feel like we don't lose our way. It's still really good. It's just not the same kind of really good. It 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 feels like it's almost two different stories. And so I, I feel like they do this in comics 
occasionally and I'm not a big I'm not the the biggest comic aficionado you you would take that shoe you know you'd fill those shoes but I, it feels like if you're gonna have a run of 12 or whatever there might be three episodes three books dealing with this guy and then three books dealing with that guy and then three books dealing you know or four or whatever mm-hmm. it is yeah. um that's what this feels like um could you also I, say it feels like daredevil season two where the first yeah. half is punisher the second half is electra with a little bit of punisher except i felt it was better in dear in daredevil or here no here i felt i I feel like luke cage is better um i I don't necessarily i I feel like it's better because it resolves itself there's closure to the things you know what unlike electra Mm -hmm. (laughs) we didn't know what's going on um and after watching defenders some might say they still don't know what's going on but some might that's a conversation for another day that we don't spoil things past the point that we're talking about on netflix so we're not going to talk about Um, defenders or iron fist we're here to talk about luke cage mm -hmm. but i i do feel like you were you know they they led us into who diamondback was and then they explored his story and then um we'll explore that story. It wasn't like, Oh, there's a big hole in the ground. I wonder what that means. Yeah. But I, I didn't like losing Cottonmouth. That is absolutely true. And I think had Cottonmouth stayed in a little bit longer and Diamondback, uh, stayed out a little bit longer, we would have had a much, it would have been the best series. I think, um, or if we would have had a little bit of crossover between them, because yeah. all we hear is Cottonmouth talking about uh, talk Cottonmouth and, and Shades talking about Diamondback this, Diamondback that, Diamondback this, Diamondback that, right? Mm-hmm. And then after Cottonmouth dies, then Diamondback shows up. And he shows up to be a foil for Luke Cage. It would have been interesting, I think, to have Diamondback show up and be a foil for both of them at the same time for a little while, and then. Cottonmouth gets killed. Well, I also, I mean, Mariah has to kill Cottonmouth. Yeah, that, yeah. that is. No, I, I that think is, that shouldn't change. I think you're right about that. Right, and Diamondback. I almost don't think Striker. I don't know where this is. If I don't know if this is a spoiler or not, I almost don't think Striker should have been Diamondback. I think Diamondback should have been, you know. It would have been really interesting if Diamondback was Shades, because when you know in the very beginning I thought that was happening. He's like, Diamondback wouldn't like this. Well, I'm Diamondback and I don't like it. You know, kind of thing, kind of like the usual suspects, um, which I'm not going to get into any more of that, just because maybe there's somebody who hasn't seen it. There's just surprises in store if you watch that show or that movie, rather. Yes, great movie. Watch it. Be ready for surprises. Uh, be ready for surprises. Um, or don't, whatever your choice. I'm not going to tell you what to do. Uh, <laughs> but the, it's almost like they were trying to be like, well, we've got to get Luke's backstory and how are we going to do that? But we also have to up the ante and make, uh, striker or diamondback be an interesting character. And yeah, he's an interesting character, but the threat of diamondback doesn't do very much for me. Um, so. Well, let's, know. let's get into it because yep. our first episode we're talking about is episode eight. It's called blowing up the spot. 
And it starts off where we left off, which is Luke got shot by the Judas bullet. And the Judas bullet has a relevant name because it was fired by Diamondback, who has a connection to Luke Cage. And Diamondback is also like we've talked about. He's the guy Shades was warning Cottonmouth against getting help from, but they went ahead and asked for it, you know, before Cottonmouth died. And there's bitterness and history between Luke and Diamondback. And so there's this kind of chase and fights and uh, he goes after Claire and Luke and he's you know, the whole time he's taunting them with with uh, Bible verses and this wicked kind of looking evil grin thing that he's got going on. He also threatens Misty and takes her out with a gun to her head and then mm-hmm. leaves her alive because he wants to like he wants to hurt Luke Cage. and He wants to go on hurting him. And then they get in an f- actual fight and with all the weakness that Luke is having because of the pain from that Judas bullet that's still churning in his stomach, they're, they're a match and they're able to fight each other. And this guy, Diamondback, would have been taken out very easily and very quickly. Now, he also uh, drops a Darth Vader worthy plot twist on us when he tells him, Luke, I am your brother. And then... <laughs> We get another shot from a Judas bullet. It drops Luke Cage into a garbage truck. Um, meanwhile, we have Misty investigating Cottonmouth's murder. I just can't believe that Luke did it because it feels like a murder of passion and it's too personal. But the cover up is already starting and she starts second guessing herself and her bu- abilities as she's getting frustrated from all sides. Um, she ends up connecting with Claire and then she actually physically goes after Claire, has to be separated from her because of their conversation. And then Mariah, meanwhile, she's really taking to her role as kind of the kingpin of Harlem. Uh, She's taking it to heart and she's working the cover up. And yeah, so that's, that's episode eight. And I don't know. What do you think? Uh, For me, this is one where there's lots of stuff happening. uh, And I'd like us to do our, our, our rating um, as we go along. So like before okay. we, we before we talk about episode nine, I'd like us to do our rating, but this one, it's definitely a bridge episode, right? It's definitely, you know, they're getting transported from one part of the story to the next part of the story. Well, it's it's not just a bridge episode. This is a setup episode too. I mean, this is setting up a whole new series of events. I'm your brother. Oh, that's right. We've got a new villain. You know, I mean, this is. This is the foot of a new bridge almost. And, you know, what's good, though, you've got Luke Cage. And up until this point, who have, who have his enemies been? It's been Cottonmouth and Cottonmouth's army and Shades and, and Mariah. And it's not really even been Cottonmouth. I mean, yeah, that's been his enemy. But it's not like they went and fought each other, right? It was, it was a verbal enemy. It was right. a sparring enemy. It was a mental enemy. It wasn't a physical enemy. The, the biggest battle between Cottonmouth and Luke Cage took place at a funeral. At Pop's, at Pop's yeah. funeral. Yeah. It was their, their battle of speeches, mm-hmm. which honestly that's there's, you say it out loud. There's, there's a little level of coolness to that idea. But then it's also a little in, unsatisfying because there we don't get a conflict really between Cottonmouth and Luke because he's killed. <laughs> I mean, Mariah takes right. him out. And right. that's the right impulse. Storytelling-wise, the stuff that they've got going on 
interpersonally between Mariah and Cottonmouth, she's the one that it makes the most sense for her to be the killer for her to take him down. But I would have liked to have seen more between Luke Cage and Cottonmouth. So now in this episode, we get a guy who physically at this point in time, because Luke Cage is weakened, this guy physically can be a match for him. Uh, He's got fighting skills and he, he can be a match. Um, Well, he's also got the, He's also got the, you know, the, the powered armor, right? He's, 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 he's crazy too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's absolutely bonkers. Yeah. Yeah. But what, okay. So with all this, what I find interesting is you have two villains now, two real villains right now. Diamondback, who, like you said, he's crazy chewing the scenery mm-hmm. villain. And Mariah, who is a much more subtle villain, who you actually can see her kind of emotionally trying to figure out, do I want to do the evil stuff? And am I going to embrace doing the evil stuff? And when she does it, she when she chooses to do it and actually does it, she is resolved. She's going to do it. She's going to be evil. And, you know, bribe people and do all that stuff. But then afterward, you can see she's second guessing herself and you you, you get the impression that she's like making herself pushing herself against her better judgment to do these things she doesn't necessarily want to do, but feels like she has to do. And so she's going to do it. And I think Cottonmouth was in a very similar position, too. I mean, he didn't. You got the impression that he wanted to go do his music, but um, Mama Mabel made him be a gangster, mm-hmm. made him be a gangster. And so you have Harlem Paradise, which is in some ways kind of the the compromise. I'm right. going to be the gangster, but I can, as part of my gangsterness, use that money to build up this paradise to build up this palace for myself and yeah it's so yeah as over the top as diamondback kind of is um you have mariah who who grounds the villainy uh, more Mm -hmm. and you need both i think otherwise this isn't the tick you know like (laughs) i saw someone complaining about the tick because it wasn't uh they couldn't take it seriously because everything's so over the top and it felt like power rangers and i'm I'm just reading this and i'm thinking to myself whoa whoa wait a minute i mean what what you the idea here is we're making fun of the seriousness of the stuff we're talking about here like luke cage the tick is making fun of legitimate superhero and, and and luke cage of all of our characters is the most superman of, of all of our Netflix Marvel heroes. Mm-hmm. He, he's the most, he's unbreakable. He's got unbreakable skin for one, but he's also very grounded as in a personality. Mm-hmm. He, um, has got strong morals, a strong moral belief. He doesn't, um, unlike Punisher who, who has the, has another strong moral belief. Luke Cage is, is across the board. Right is right. Wrong is wrong. 
and there's no wavering there. There's no, well, you did wrong, so therefore you need to be punished like Punisher did. It's right is right, wrong is wrong. If you're if you're in the right, we're good. If you're in the wrong, we're not. And for Luke Cage, it's I'm going to do my best to do right. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I don't want to get involved, but you can't help it. So I'm going to mm-hmm. get involved. And I like Luke Cage for that. I mean, he's, he sets a moral compass for the people around him. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so so in, in that way, it's kind of an interesting dichotomy between Mariah and Luke Cage. If if she's actively trying to push herself to do wrong to further her goals, you've got Luke Cage doing the same thing on the other side, actively trying to push himself to do right, even though he doesn't want to get involved or he doesn't want to, you know, use his power, or, you know. He doesn't want to listen to Pop's great responsibility speech. And and Alfre Woodward Alfre Woodard plays that amazingly. She's you know, you if you were to watch this without knowing her as an actress, you might look at Mariah's characteristics in the beginning and go, Well, okay, it's not really that great. But then as you see her sort of take on that mantle and become you know, the head of Harlem's paradise and, and the head of Cottonmouth's empire. She's an amazing actress and she transforms herself into, into sort of this being of power. Yeah. And, and frankly, she is a really good actress and it's good that they put her in this position yeah. in, in this yeah. role. I mean, it's, it's good. It's really good. Um, the other really good actress that we get here is Simone Missick. And we're going to talk more about her in the next episode, but um, that's another one where, man, they lucked out when they found her because... Is that Misty? Yeah. She's perfect. She is just about perfect, and she really shines in the next episode. But Mm -hmm. let's finish this episode. Um, The other other thing I kind of found interesting is this whole episode is about, and we're going to get more into this, but it's all about... Luke Cage's past um, finding him and that whole forward always gets a little bit sabotaged here by Mm -hmm. the past coming and it's Diamondback and we don't know what's going on yet, but we'll just wait the 15 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. So episode nine is DWYCK. Did you want to do the ratings? Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, this one, uh, let's see. What should we rate this? Um, oh, Judas Bullets. Oh, there you go. That yeah. makes sense. How many Judas Bullets out of five? I'm going with a three. Yes. Really? Yeah. 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 I was actually going to go with a 3.5, but even now as we're having the conversation, just you know, it's a three. And that means it's solid. It's not bad. It's right, yeah. right there in the middle. But it's just we set a high standard and the Netflix standard is, is a higher standard and it, it's a three, not, not to show my hand too much, but this is iron fist level of, of episodes. So, wow. Okay. Good, good iron fist level. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm going to say this is a four. And if you remember the last time it was on, you remember that I love this series. So um, this all the things I agree with, you know, it's kind of a bridging episode. We're going to kind of have to 
build up things a little bit. Diamondbacks a little bit crazy. Um, I'm not sure where it's all fitting in and all that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I am on the Luke Cage bandwagon just so everybody knows. <laughs> well, this one, I just, yeah, uh, not as great. Not as great. Okay. All right. Episode nine is <laughs> DWYCK Dwick, which stands for, do you know what it stands for? Cause I do. Oh, I have no idea. Do what you can kid. Oh, well, there you go. Do what you can kid. Did you just make that up or did you do research? I looked it up. I oh, there you go. Because you remember each one of these are named after songs. Right, and I'm noticing that on the Wikipedia page. Uh, Gangstar songs, yeah. which I've never heard of before either. Well, so. I haven't either. Um, <laughs> but this is the name of a song, and it stands for Do What You Can, Kid. So There you go. All right, we got three main situations happening in this episode. One main situation is we have Misty, and she's facing consequences for physically going after Claire. Um, she's lost her well, badge, and she's meeting with the police psychologist. And she's also getting sideways glances for her interactions with a certain bartender in the first episode. Yeah. Yeah. So she's meeting with a police psychologist who's almost as observant as she is. And Mm -hmm. she's basically, it really comes down to this. She hates losing control. And in this situation, by entering into the Luke Cage season one, she is losing control of all the things around her uh, mm-hmm. with Luke Cage and, and especially then with Diamondback and what he did to her. There's a little bit of a kind of a post-traumatic thing going on, I think. Um, but all the stuff going on, she has no control. Uh, the mm-hmm. cover up, the, the murder cover up, you know, she, she knows things are shady and things are happening and she doesn't have control and she wants control. Um, so that's that's the one thing that's going on. And this is, like I said, where um, this actress, man, uh, Simone Missick, she is amazing. And she does a really, really good job where she's telling stories and, and saying these things and um, basically looking in the camera. And mm-hmm. um, and it's everything hangs on her ability to sell the story, to sell the words. And it is a lot of tell, don't show, but it works. Well, this is, you know, this is the, the, this is the type of movie that I would want to make, right? Two people in a room having a conversation and there's not a lot of stuff. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff happening on the outside, but it doesn't affect them in this room very much. Um, or doesn't inform their conversations in this room very much, I guess is the way to put it. Uh, but yeah, these two people talking, having good conversations, good acting between the both of them. Um, they're both right on point. In fact, I kind of almost expected the, uh, the, the, the psychologist to not, to not be good. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. was kind of like, you're not great. Wait, waiting but then for the he, turn. Yep. Yeah. Waiting for the turn. And it didn't happen. And so I thought that was, they played that well. Cause it could have easily been, easily it could have been that he was you know in he was part of a setup it could have yeah. been that he was part of a setup and they didn't and, go there and and he kind of was because he said 
well, why would, you know, there's nobody, there's nobody listening in or whatever. And then the inspector was, but you know, she knew that was happening and she knew that was going to happen. And so did we, but it wasn't like Cottonmouth was, or Diamondback or, you know, Kingpin or whoever was, you know, had him on payroll. He wasn't a dirty cop. Right. Uh, And this is where, I mean, she herself tells us her powers, her power set. And Mm -hmm. she is a superhero in this series. Her superpower, she says, I see everything and forget nothing. Mm -hmm. That's her superpower. And I appreciate that. I like that they, I mean, they're playing it off like a Sherlock Holmes. They're playing it off like, uh, you know, CSI or something like that, where you just have a really good detective who detects things well. But in this case, I mean, we're in this universe. She's not irradiated. You know, she's not a mutant or an inhuman. Mm -hmm. She's just really good at observation. And that makes her stand up and stand above the rest of the people and allows her to really fit in to a series about a bulletproof strong guy. (laughs) Well, yeah. And she, you know, she's gorgeous. So that helps. Um, She doesn't like coffee. So that helps too. Uh, And she's a, she's a good foil for, for Luke. You know, she plays off him really well. She doesn't let him get away with stuff where some other people might. Claire doesn't either, by the way. And she's one half of um, Daughters of the Dragon, as they call them, and is part of the Heroes for Hire cast. Mm -hmm. And um, I want to see more, and we will. From from her. Uh, And I only I only read the the Heroes for Hire Civil War tie in Um, and she I don't in my brain. I can't see these two people being the same thing. So uh, but that was a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and here, I mean, she's the good cop and Mm -hmm. she's the good cop who wants to do good and Mm -hmm. she won't be a corrupt cop because of. Her stories, you know, the, the, the thing, the thing that pushed her to be a cop, you know, losing her friend and, you know, finding the friend two weeks later and what had happened to her friend and that kind of thing. That's why she's not going to go the way of, uh, you know, whatever her, her partner was. I can't even remember her partner already, but scarf scarf. Yeah. She's not going to go that way because she's motivated by something more than just a job. She's motivated by something more than just a paycheck. Um, and she's not going to forget it. A lot of people probably scarf probably started with noble intentions, but her noble intentions come from something that changed her forever. Mm-hmm. And and she's not going to forget that. So plus she's pigheaded enough just to yes. not let it be a thing. She won't let it be a thing, whether she wants to or not. Yeah. All right. So then we move on to Mariah. And we start out with Mariah having a conversation with Cottonmouth's dead body, which is not quite the same as conversation with the psychologist. Uh, (laughs) And then she calls a meeting with the other crime bosses because she's going to sell the family business. But Diamondback interrupts and he comes in and I'm reminded of Joker in uh, a dark night. Now, Diamondback doesn't make a pencil disappear, but he kills everybody. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And before killing. (laughs) Yeah, yo. Yeah. Uh, before killing Mariah, Mariah thinks fast 
and comes up with a reason that he needs her because she can help him get legitimate business. And they'll sell those powerful weapons that they can sell to the police. And so the police can take care of problems like Luke. And we're going to find out momentarily how good they are at marketing those weapons. But in this episode, Diamondback and Mariah and Shades, uneasy truce. So, so here's the question. Oh wait, that's not until the next episode. Okay, so they're they're gonna sell these to to the NYPD. That's that's the plan anyway. Mm-hmm. She's she's her immediate is to get rid of Luke Cage, but. Let's pretend these are eggs in the same universe. Is she thinking that, you know, the NYPD could shoot Cap, too, with one of these? Well, or, or Iron Man? Maybe not Cap and Iron Man, but some of these, you know, Inhumans are showing up. Mm. And, I mean, there are plenty of reasons for the police to maybe want more powerful weapons. And, you know, we've seen plenty of, of villains show up in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and we've seen um, Luke Cage. I mean, honestly, Kilgrave would be one to take down that if yeah. if something was happening. Um, and Punisher. And, and we saw the we saw the Judas bullets in Shield too. So yeah, there are that. Um, and honestly, Ninja. <laughs> like, yeah, right. <laughs> if the police station is being overrun by I don't know Ninja. <laughs> it might be nice to have some Judas bullets to just take him out. Maybe. Maybe, maybe so. Maybe. I mean, assuming they're evil ninja and I, are are ninja good and bad? Yes. I thought okay. They are. They are. <laughs> I mean, Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow, not Marvel Universe, but Snake Eyes, <laughs> Storm Shadow, they're both ninja. One evil one good. Now I'm not sure how exactly you get across the idea of being a heroic assassin uh, without being an anti-hero, but yeah, there's there's well, good ninja out there. Thank you for bringing in the GI Joe. Yeah, yeah, and I mean Beverly Hills Ninja. He's a good guy, right? Chris Farley. Chris Farley. Yeah, yeah. He was a good. Wow, ninja. that's a. I have not thought about that movie in a very long time. Oh, see. <laughs> I don't stop thinking about that movie. I that's maybe something you need to talk to a psychologist about. Maybe, ben. maybe. maybe. Uh, OK, so that's what's going on with Mariah. And then we have Luke Cage, who's wandering and wounded and he's accosted by police and the police have an APB out for Luke and he puts up a fight only once the last possible option. Unfortunately, the worst of it gets recorded and then finally, he connects with Claire, and they're able to go and find Dr. Noah Burstein, I think. Mm-hmm. That's his name. Yeah. Who puts him in a vat of acid in a barn to possibly get the Judas bullet out. And our cliffhanger is, he's going into cardiac arrest. Will he die? No. Wait, spoiler. Oh, my goodness. He's... <laughs> Like, is there any question? Episode nine of a dude's series. The series is named after the dude. Right. He's not going to die in episode nine unless you're pulling a really, really clever fast one. And episode 10 is actually Misty Knight. Daughters of the Dragon or something like that. Right. Right. No, no. No, The marketing doesn't work that way. No. And and. I know at this point 
uh, in September of 2016 that they had announced Defenders. <laughs> and I know Luke Cage was in Defenders. So, no, I knew he wasn't going to die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And usually, I, I not usually, but a lot of times I'll give the idea of the cliffhanger. Okay, you know that the title character isn't going to die. The question is, how? It's not what will happen, right. but how will it happen? And right. that sometimes is enough. You know, when I was writing uh, comic books um, with with George Martin, and I was taking his novella and and turning it into a, a comic book that had to have a cliffhanger, had to have five cliffhangers, one for each issue until the last one. And you didn't necessarily have to find the big, giant cliffhanger, will they, won't they, survive? big battles about to start or something like that. Sometimes you just look for an emotional cliff, cliffhanger where mm-hmm. it's just what's going to happen next. You just want to know what's going to happen next. And here, yeah, I want to know what's going to happen next because I want to know what's going to happen in the series. But I don't care about this cliffhanger. <laughs> like This cliffhanger <laughs> is kind of dumb. But, you know, it's going to take us into the next episode. Yes. You know, I... This is maybe a good time to mention this. The first time I watched these, it, I didn't, I didn't uh, mainline them. I didn't watch them like in really quick succession, um, and so I did feel like <laughs> these episodes were kind of going. Um, what are they doing? Okay, these are filler. Let's just move <laughs> through them and get get on. Um, but on this rewatch, because of the podcast and the way we're doing them, where we're going to do three episodes or four episodes or whatever, I've I've mainlined this series a lot more. Watching two episodes a night or whatever, um, or at least one episode in, in a day or something like that, but not having a long gap between them. It works for me better on this rewatch because I'm getting, you know, the the fulfillment, uh, not the super huge, will they, won't they live cliffhanger, but the emotional cliffhanger, like you said, but also because it's, you know, moving the story forward a little bit. Well, and also, I mean, when you binge watch something like this and the way Netflix has it set up, you, he's going to cardiac arrest. Ah, and then we go to credits and you get 15 seconds of the credits before it skips the mm-hmm. credits of the next episode unless they do a cold open. And then it skips the Netflix and the, the Marvel thing. And then, <laughs> I mean, you are going from this happens, a little bit of a spacer, and then you're mm-hmm. right back into the story when you're right. binge watching. And the other thing I've seen myself do, and I did this with Defenders, is – for a couple episodes, I actually stopped in the middle of an episode and went to bed. And then the next night just picked it up right where I was because that's the way I was watching it. Anyway, mm-hmm. you would watch the episode and then stop. And then I'm just like, why do I stop at their arbitrary moments? I'm just going to stop when I want to, because it's one great big, long story and they don't have to bring you back. Mm-mm. This, this cliffhanger here. If it was a weekly show to show, you know, like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or what, you know, whatever. If this was the cliffhanger, you'd be like, oh, come on, this is what they're going to use to bring us back next week. We know he's not going to die. And it's not a very interesting thing, because how is he going to survive this by them helping him? 
Yeah, by know, sciencing some science. By doing, yeah, by sciencing him or doctoring him. Um, yeah, so <laughs> it's, but it's good storytelling because I love, I love the setting. I love yeah. the whole idea, you know, they're, they go and he has all his leftover stuff. Yeah, it's a little bit of a gimme. You know, it's it's a little bit of a, really? He was able to leave that job and, and take his stuff to his barn just in case he needed it next time. But that's a really big cardboard box. You know, you got the, you get the impression that that vat of acid is right next to his stapler. Yeah, yeah. And so when he has to leave the job, you know, they send the security guy with him to make sure he doesn't take any of the, you know, corporations stuff. And yeah, that those big, huge boxes over there, they're, they're mine. Those are mine. I brought those in. I bought those with my money. <laughs> so anyway, I love the setting. I love the barn. The, the it's a, it's a mad scientist laboratory. Yeah. I mean, I mean just, let's just call it what it is. And it's, it's a fun setting and, and you know, the whole, the journey there and, and, and them driving together and then getting to the place. And um, I enjoyed all that stuff um, so much so that, while I'm giving them a hard time with the cliffhanger, eh, I can live. I can live. Well, it definitely, it, they shot him with the Judas bullet to tell us, look, there's something in the, in this universe that can kill him. So there is something that mm-hmm. we should be afraid of. Yeah. But then they have to resolve it and it can't just be this quick thing that they can resolve. Otherwise the something that can hurt him doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I like it because there's cost to it. Right. It's a we don't have any kind of suspense here. Is he mm-hmm. going to make it? Yeah, we, he's going to make it. Claire does. And mm-hmm. Luke is in pain. I mean, this is mm-hmm. this is coming at at great cost. Um okay, so you have any any bullet points to talk about this episode then? Because I've got a couple, but I want to go ahead. Go right. ahead. Well, one bullet point that I have is just the whole, um, and, and there's no way around it. Uh, they're making commentary on the idea of the black man in the hoodie. Yes, and that was the yes the, when, the the dash cam video. Yeah, when he gets stopped by the police, he's not stopped because they have an APB out for for him being Luke Cage. They stop him before they know who he is. And he stopped. They, for, he stopped for being black. Is, is well, and drunk. Him. They said, they said, oh, look, there's a drunk guy trying to get home. Yeah. But I mean, this whole thing here, I don't think they're making commentary on, especially the incident that, that made the, the hoodie thing a thing and kind of launched the whole Black Lives Matter stuff. Um, I don't think they're making commentary specifically on that incident as much as they're making commentary on the, the stuff that came after that and the fear that was before and after that of, of being stopped, you know, and, and the whole idea of, and again, this is something that you and I, we could talk about, but not really talk about, you know, but the, yeah. the of, of, you know, I get pulled over, I get pulled over for speeding, but I don't have to worry about being pulled over for being white, but there are people who mm-hmm. do have to worry about, you know, being a person of, a, of uh, you know, not white, <laughs> being uh, black or brown, being stopped just because of the skin color and maybe their car looks a little shady and they're driving it. But put me in the same car and 
I, I'm not going to get pulled over unless I'm, I'm actually doing something. Um, and so I think they're making commentary on that. And this is where I wish – I'm glad they're going here. But this is where I feel like Luke Cage as a series could have gone deeper and, and could have done more. Um, as it is for me, it's me – watching and observing and and being able to do what fiction does put myself into someone else's shoes um but i i i feel like i wish they would have gone further and deeper and i i Mm. hope they didn't go further and deeper because i hope they weren't afraid of alienating um you know viewers because they they take it a little little further but I initially, I remember initially watching this and, and it's silly, I think, but I remember actually asking myself, am I, am I allowed to watch this? Am I, you know, I don't want to, it, it's kind of, like I said, it's a silly, it's a silly notion because of course it's Netflix and, and all that sort of stuff, but it, it did feel like it had this voyeuristic thing to it you know, stigma to it. Very similar to the way Jessica Jones had a a stigma to it, where it was like, this is a story that I can't necessarily relate to. Um, That being said, I do, I, I don't feel like that on the second go around um, because I feel like I'm attaching more to Luke Cage's morality and work ethic and, all of those types of things, and and it's transcending, you know, the color of his skin. I do think, though, they are making some very powerful statements about skin color and about um, the way people uh, treat big black men in hoodies, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and. And he, Luke Cage, does some things in that video where, or in that, the dash cam video to try to dissuade some of that. You know, he's very polite. He's a little snarky, a little bit. Whereas, like, do I need a, do I need a license to walk? But at the same time, does he need a license to walk? You know, I wouldn't have gotten pulled over or stopped yeah. for walking. Well, but here's the other thing with that: as he's doing that he also knows his strength mm-hmm. and he, he knows he has to be careful because he could really, really hurt someone and mm-hmm. he doesn't actually use that strength until it's just, there's just no other way around it. He, he has, he has no choice, but then what happens is the video and the video goes viral, right? Mm-hmm. But it's just the worst part of it for him. It makes oh, him yeah. look really bad. And that's another element. That's another bullet point for me is just, you know, and, and we could actually talk specifically about like dash cam videos and, and, uh, you know, shoulder videos and that kind of thing. But I would even take it a step further, which just is the viral nature that our society has right now, where mm-hmm. it is, you take that edited video. Hmm. And when I say edited, I just mean just these five seconds, right? And then that is what you use to make what I all the assumptions in the world. Yeah. What I sitting in my living room, seeing that on my computer on Facebook or seeing that on, you know, Fox or CNN or whatever, I see this short snippet of a video, instant judgment of that person. That is what that person becomes defined by. 
And there's no context. Right. There's right? no context or nuance. Right. And so we, it, because of the show, we saw the context and the nuance. We know that he's got a, he's got a bullet wound, uh-huh. got a bullet wound. We know that he can't walk. We also know that he's gone through the entire, what, nine episodes of previous to this or eight episodes disarming people and being on the side of you know, the angels. Yeah. He had a little bit of problems with Misty and scarf, but that turned out to be because scarf was a bad guy. Um, you could make the argument that maybe he should have cooperated more, but you can also make the argument that the police in Harlem aren't necessarily doing right by the citizens. If they need somebody like Luke cage to, to come in and, and save their baseball bats, um, (laughs) or baseball you know, rings. So it's kind of this back to, back to what I was saying. You get nuance and context that, uh, you don't get in the dash cam video. And that in and of itself speaks to a larger thing. If you walk away from this episode and you get the fact that maybe dash cam videos, you know, the five second snippets on Facebook, um, you don't tell you the whole story. I think this episode's a win. <laughs> yeah, no. And <clears throat> cause that's, I mean, that's a troubling aspect of our society for me is, mm-hmm. is just the way, and it's not just videos. It's, it's everything. I mean, one tweet, uh, Granted, some of them are really bad. A really foul or racist tweet can completely destroy a person. And so the question I have is, okay, is the fallout you know, for just this moment where this person did something so stupid, but the fallout is they lose their livelihood. Do they deserve to lose their livelihood? And some of them you might say yes. I'm not saying that all of those things are an instant. No, they didn't deserve that. I'm not saying that I'm just saying it's it feels like we're we're getting more and more into a, a place where you are defined by the worst thing you've ever done. And right. that is you and forget about becoming something more than that. And here is Luke Cage is defined not even by the worst thing he'd ever done. He's defined by a misinterpretation of what's almost a good thing that he's doing, you know, where he, uh, I mean, he saved a cop right before. Right. And he, he even said, I'm sorry to the one, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sorry. And he took his gun and, and bent it. I mean, but then he had to throw him. Yeah. So, um, the other thing is coming out of this is we've got the police as well. And you have them, you have, some of them are corrupt and some of them are honorable. Some of them are misty. And some of them are everybody else. But um, <laughs> what I'm reminded of here is, you know, I, and I have a couple cop friends and the thing I know about them is that they're human and mm-hmm. humanity means making choices and Misty making good choices, mostly getting frustrated and making some poor choices as well. But then you have the corrupt people and make it really, really bad, bad choices. Yeah, I mean, cops are humans. That's what it comes down to. Um, I, mm, I do believe cops should be held to a higher standard than regular citizens because so should comic book artists, right? And so should grocery store workers. If 
if I drew a comic book and it was subpar, I could not call myself a professional. Yeah, nobody well, buy it. And, and there's you're you're definitely right there. I mean, the job that you have, there's a standard that you have to that job right. where you have a responsibility. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely. But then, you know, and then I, again, I'm not saying you know, this is across the board that, well, you got to just understand everybody. No, some people do bad things that just need to be taken right. care of right away. Right. But they're also, and this is something that, you know, maybe I'm just naive, but I just feel like you need to give people grace, you know, and, and the right. grace that you give doesn't mean giving grace does not mean giving a pass. Mm hmm. And it does not mean saying, eh, you did this horrible thing, but it's okay. That's not grace. All right. Mm -hmm. That's, that's, I'm saying, understand, try and understand the other side. And well, listen, the person who's done this bad thing, try and understand them. And then you can punish them accordingly. Once you understand them, you can give them the right punishment. Right. Right. And, and you don't know what the right punishment is until you have tried to, figure out what they're doing yeah. and figure out why they're doing it. You know, it's a, it's Le Miz, right? Yeah. He stole some, he mm -hmm. stole some of those things, but he was doing it to feed people. Yeah. Yes. It's against the law. So it's, it's, but that's a bigger, that's a bigger conversation. It is. But all of these police officers, <laughs> I, I do have to say, if you're in Marvel Netflix, man, you do not want to get arrested. I don't care what your skin color is because those people are not good when they, those police officers, you're, you're lucky if you get Misty because everyone else, I guess Misty well, or uh, what's his name from, from Daredevil. Oh, I can't remember his name. The, the cigar They're, mom, mom cigars. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, became a detective. Oh, well, I can't remember his name. Detective now. Mahoney. Detective Mahoney. Mahoney. Yeah. You're lucky if you get Misty or Mahoney. Yes. Other than that, you don't want the guy from uh, Jessica Jones who turned really bad when he had the pills. Yeah, yeah, and and you don't want scarf, and you don't want. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, uh, any other notes here before we move on to episode ten? No. All right. Do you want to give it your uh, acid baths? Acid baths. Yes. Oh, just real quick, the Delphonics performed "Stop and Look." That's what the song was. Yeah, that was cool to see them. Yeah, that was really neat. Yeah. Uh, and I give this uh, four a good solid four acid baths out of five. Um, I'm going to give this one four acid baths and then an acid foot wash at the end. So four point two five. Almost got a spit take from me but not quite <laughs> almost almost. I was close. I was close. Episode 10. Take it personal. Claire helps the doctor help Luke Cage not die. After Luke Cage does not die. He looks at Reva's flash drive where, you know, we saw that whole thing from Jessica Jones and sees that she knew a lot more than he thought she knew about what was going on in the prison completely changes his perspective and his memory of her. Then they go to his hometown in Georgia where he finds out through memory flashbacky things that Diamondback is his brother and his father hated his brother and it changes his memory of his brother and his father and his mother. 
Meanwhile, Diamondback has put on gloves and a hoodie and is punching people yelling, I'm Luke Cage! And the police crack down. And Lonnie, from before, kid from before that Luke Cage helped save, gets beat up. And Mariah tells everyone, we must blame Luke Cage for this police crackdown. He gets beat up by a cop. He's beat up by a cop, yes. Sorry. It was part of the police crackdown. In the interrogation room, the cop um, gets him and does what Missy did to Claire. And this is really bad. (laughs) Really bad. Yeah. So Misty goes to confront Diamondback, but he shoots her. Luke comes to the rescue and we end. Um, the, it's a nonviolent rally that ends in a uh, machine gun uh, fire against Luke and, and Misty. It's bad news. Mm-hmm. Bad, bad news. And this uh, is, this is an emotional cliffhanger right here. This right. is where you say, how are they going to get out of this? This is where you say, I want to see what happens next. Not, I know what's going to happen next, but I want to see it anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is the way you end an episode. And, you know, the heat is being turned up in, in Harlem. I mean, the, the cops are getting involved. The uh, Diamondbacks got his, his, you know, militia out there. The heat is turning up in Harlem. The heat is on, man. The heat, the is, heat on. is on. Can you feel the heat? Yeah, it's actually kind of warm. Yeah, yeah, it is warm over here too. It one of the things that really struck me, and I'm glad they did this, and is the uh, the the fact that the cop beat up the kid. Um, I I don't not to say that I want cops to beat up kids, but (laughs) the 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 idea was that it was a black cop and he beat up a black kid, mm-hmm. um, which tells me, and I think this is what I'm trying. I think this is what they're trying to say. Um, cops are humans. The cop was like, look, Luke Cage killed another cop. He killed my, you know, the cop I've loved my entire life or whatever it was. Um, and he he killed him, and I want revenge for that. I don't care about – we're not talking about skin color. We're not talking about anything like that. He wants revenge. And so he just, he just let loose a little bit. And that to me says that this cop is a person who has some personal things he's got to get through regarding the death of this other cop. Um, and I think that's a good thing to hear nowadays that that cops are people (laughs) not black cops or white cops or you know purple cops they're people cops so yeah a a purple cop would be cool but yeah i think it would depend on what what you're you're getting arrested for (laughs) let's be honest um the idea of diamondback putting on his gloves and pretending to be luke cage by saying i'm luke cage is it's it's this is where you got this whole grounded netflix thing going on and then diamondback shows up and i'm like dude look at me you're watching a comic book show man you're watching Mm -hmm. a comic book show and i'm gonna act like i'm in a comic book well but it works 
Yeah, I'm wondering how far off base that something like that is. Because he he says it. He says the reason I got or, no, I don't know if this is actually what it is, what he said, but the reason he got away with it was because of the confusion. He walked in, he made one statement that cemented into everybody's mind what happened. And if you just went with that one statement, you you were, you know, you were firmly on the ground that I he said he was Luke Cage. I'm not going to argue with that. Right. Yep. And and that gets into one of the big themes for me about this episode, which is the idea of the idea that narrative can be written for us or narrative can be written by us. And so mm-hmm. in this situation, Diamondback writes the narrative for everyone who is a witness to what's going on. And mm-hmm. he takes what they see and takes what they hear and he's able to plant the seeds. He's able to you know, plant the inception or whatever of it being this, this is what happened. It was Luke Cage who did this. And then right. you also have Luke Cage dealing with these kind of narratives he had in his head of who Reva was and who his parents were and who his dad was. And, and right. honestly, who Stryker Diamondback is, you know, up until this point, he didn't know because he didn't see his father as someone who could do what his father did. And he didn't see Reva as someone who could do what she did, who, you know, kind of be dishonest and, you know, know more than, you know, know a lot more than than she let on when 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 he was with her. And he had written these narratives and then he gets this new information that gives him a more truthful and real narrative. And it goes back also to the whole viral video thing where, you know, they're, they're using this viral video of him throwing the cop or whatever. And did he throw the cop or hit the cop? I think he, th- he threw the cop, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But anyway, you know, they're writing the narrative by giving that snippet if you showed the whole video, it'd be a completely different perspective for everyone who was watching it. But mm-hmm. instead they're just giving just enough information for what they want you to know and what you, what they want you to think. And they've written that story for the people. And this, this episode, I like what it does about that. And the stuff in the church at his hometown mm-hmm. where he's remembering things and finally putting all the pieces together. That was really powerful. That was really good filmmaking. Yes, and it, it it spoke to the fact that as a kid you see things differently than you would as an adult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and this is science too. I mean, the more strong memories you have that you return to often, end up you every time you remember something, you actually rewrite that memory in as you're remembering it. So hmm. when you experience something, you experience it and it gets written in your memory. But then every time you revisit that memory, you rewrite that memory as if you're experiencing it again and it gets rewritten. It's I don't know all the science behind it. Honestly, this comes from listening to podcasts that talk about this kind of stuff. But um, it's just that idea of every time you pull that memory out, you add to it and or you subtract from it. Well, it's like the game of telephone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Only it's happening in your own brain. Only yeah, only your brain's doing it to it's yourself. Just one brain playing that game of telephone with itself, and <laughs> but this this was a really 
that the Riva flash drive thing. Eh, I'm not a big fan of the whole Riva flash drive thing. Anyway, it was just, it was that MacGuffin in Jessica Jones, and and now you come into it here, and it's just kind of not quite as like like I, a lot of threads that get dropped in one series or season to be pulled upon in another series or season. The payoff is not quite as wonderful as I was expecting. Uh, yeah, I, I, and for those who are listening at home and couldn't quite understand, uh, he said "big giant hole." Okay, <laughs> so it was it was not what you might have heard. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Just want to be careful. Just in case people are listening to this in you know one point five speed, which is what I do. Um, yeah, it's, yes. it's weird when I go on someone else's podcast and it's a podcast that I listen to. Um, it's weird talking to them in real time because I'm so used <laughs> to listening to them. It's super speed. So anyway, yeah, that I, I love this idea of, of, you know, how narrative is either written by us or for us. Mm-hmm. And no matter what our narrative has bias. Absolutely. And you know, there, there were, this is a problem I have with our current news situation. Um, not necessarily MCU news. I'm talking about like CNN and MSNBC and all those guys where they're so hard up for ratings and to be first and to do all that sort of stuff. They don't look at context. Um, and it takes a long time to source and accurately write a story. You can't just use a piece of video and, and go with, go with that whole thing. Like we've said, yeah. Yeah. And it's bad. I mean, I, it's bad. I don't trust any news anymore. <laughs> it feels like, and, um, I just, everything I hear, I, I filter through this cynical side now of, <laughs> okay, I've heard this now. Really? Is this what really, this would really I, happen. I used to do research for, um, educational educational media and we had something called primary documents somebody said something that is a primary document (laughs) you you know you you have audio or video where they wrote it in their diary or whatever of them saying a thing that 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 counted (laughs) Uh, anything short of that does not count well but that's what we do with when we do news uh, s- segments for the podcast. We haven't for Netflix series. So we haven't done a new segment in a long time. But when we're doing the weekly uh, episodes uh, with Agents of Shield, the the links that we put in the website, we track it down to the primary source because usually I, the stuff that comes up on Facebook is someone else writing about something that appeared in Variety, right, or something like right. that. And so we try and, and go back and find you know the 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 original source of that quote from Jeff Jeff Loeb or something like that. Yeah. And that's absolutely, that's absolutely true. I, I, and that's the reason I do that or did that (laughs) and will once agents of shield comes back Mm -hmm. is because I had that training and because you have to go with, I, you, if you sort of look in deeper, you get lost in this spiral, right? You get, well, did they say this and then they change a word and they do this and it's kind of like saving your memories, yeah. rewriting your memories. Yeah. And for me, I just, 
I don't like giving traffic to people who their entire story is basically, I'm going to cherry pick the best quotes from someone okay. else's story and then maybe put a link to the original story down at the bottom, but pretend like it's mine. I, I just, oh, right. That bugs me. That bugs me. Right. So go out and do the interview yourself <laughs> or just link back to it. Yeah. It's a little easier. Um, yeah. So the other thing, well, yeah, I mean, I liked Luke's flashback. I liked the idea of what was happening with that. Um, but then the other thing that kind of was interesting that came out of that was, um, and this is something I've seen very often in, in my line of work, and that's people who care more for – basically, Luke's father cared more about his congregation than his family or took care of his congregation more mm-hmm. than he took care of his family. And um, that's something you see that happens a lot in – in uh well in ministry it happens a lot in any kind of service industry where people get into it because they have a a heart they want to help people um but then their family their own family gets gets left behind and um yeah well it's the it's the mechanic's car right (laughs) yeah yep or the shoemaker's children's shoes right yeah so okay well, for this episode, how many flash drives out of four or out of five do you give? I just gave away my, my answer. <laughs> I get four flash drives, a solid four flash drives. This is a really good episode for me. I really liked it. Um, I, I might even go to 4.5 flash drives, but I, I'm going to stick with a solid four. I, I'm going to agree with you. Four is a good is a good amount of flash drives for this. I I I, I was taken out, out of it a little bit because I'm trying to remember – what the flash drive meant in why Kilgrave was hiding it, that Jessica Jones needed to dig it out or whatever. Um, I know that it had to do with Reva's psychological profile on Kilgrave. I just don't know how she would have gotten that in at Seagate because I didn't think he was in Seagate. So I don't know. But so the so this whole time we're talking about the flash drives. I'm sitting there going, "How does this work with that?" And that's why I sort of gotten taken out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's it then. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stuart, you have anything you want to say before we say goodbye, or to say goodbye, or whatever? Uh, goodbye. <laughs> and. I just want to say that um, you know there are worse things than than listening to this podcast. There are lots of worse things than listening to this podcast, and so I appreciate that you listen to this podcast. But at the same time, I know that listening to this podcast is not the worst thing in the world for you. Uh, I, I don't know, Stuart. Just just for an example of things that are worse than listening to this podcast. Um, well, your skin could peel off like wax paper. And uh, after about 10 seconds, you beg me to put a bullet in your head because the pain would be so bad, but your head looks fine. So I guess the bullet would ricochet off your skull. Thanks once more for listening. You've heard us. Now we'd love to hear from you. Just go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback to contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling 177-55-LEVEL-7.
You can also join the conversation by liking us on Facebook, facebook.com slash welcome to level seven, or by following us on Twitter where we are level seven pod. Welcome to Level 7 is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to help you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Learn how to podcast, get productive in your personal and professional life, theorize over TV shows, laugh at our clean comedy, learn critical thinking from movie reviews, and more at noodle.mx. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, Godspeed. Episode 8, Initial Reaction. Oh, man. Agent Daniel, just gotten done watching Blowing Up the Spot. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling fine. We got Luke getting chased. We're getting some background story. We're fine. We meet Diamond back. Everything's feeling good. Everything's feeling fine. Luke's still getting shot. And then we get the Darth Vader slash soap opera moment. Honestly, I could have maybe done without an ending of I Am Your Brother. Um, it seemed a little off to me, a little weird, a little almost, again, the word is soap opery. Little young Daniel used to watch a lot of soap operas with his uh, grandmother and then uh, with his girlfriend, who eventually became Mrs. Butcher. So he, he knows the soap opera, you know, the twin, the brother, the cousin. The fake cousin, it all stacked up. But in the end, I think I, I probably could have done done without that moment. I mean, I, I was enjoying the chase, enjoying the tension, enjoying the relationship building. The numerous Carl Lucas claims, but then it just kind of fell flat to me. Yeah, you know, I'll admit it. Maybe for some folks, you're super excited about that moment. Um, I'm I'm just not the guy that got super excited about it. So, there you go. Ben, tell me why I'm wrong. Now it was great. Go ahead. I'm not a hot mess. I'm kind of lukewarm right at the moment. Though I still love Luke Cage. Peace out later, bye. So, lots happening here. And interesting stuff about family and, you know, your rights and stuff like that law and things like that and um night nurse everyone needs a night nurse in their life man everyone needs a night nurse in their life someone who's there for you take you in patch you up give you good advice stand in your corner and yeah misty night she's crossing the line you know just like a good cop should in a movie like this uh, not that a good cop would, you know what I mean? You know, this kind of movie, that's the kind of thing you expect from your cops. This isn't a movie, but you know what I mean. And, uh, yeah, just remember, take it slow here, man. Take it slow. You don't have to rush. Things are happening. People are being killed. People are coming out of the woodwork. I don't understand who Diamondback is as a criminal. And, you know, they're, they're doing the C word coincidence but yeah i mean still good this is my my initial reaction is i will watch more uh there's 
lots going on that's kind of scary as far as the weird, gross stuff happening inside Luke Cage's body. Um, but yeah, it's it's good. This is this one was brutal, brutal fights. Misty Knight choking out Night Nurse. Don't want that to happen, but yeah, I'm gonna hang up now and go to bed. See you later, future Ben. Literally, because you're in the future and I won't see you until later happens. That's assuming we even use these phone calls. Who knows what's happening with Welcome to Level 7 Netflix phone calls. Anyway, bye. So Luke just got shot. Yeah, I just got done watching Blowing Up the Spot. I can't remember which episode that is in Luke Cage. So it's real interesting. I'm not sure how Luke's going to get out of this. Kind of interested to see it. Um, Alfred Woodard, amazing actress, amazing. Um, and, you know, Cubs won. Yay, Cubs won. Daniel's happy. All right. Uh, peace out later. Bye. Episode 9, Initial Reactions. Murderize. That's Agent Daniel's new word. I'm going to use murderize in all sorts of sentences. Ooh. Look at that burrito. I'm going to murderize it. <sighs> Diamondback, you're a weird kind of crazy. That's what DWYCK has taught me. I mean, before you were just upset, but you're a crazy sort of crazy. A, a, a fun sort of murderizing crazy. Crazy. And for some reason... I really do feel like I've stepped myself into a Joe Duffy comic book. So I'm a happy, happy boy. Bring on the Duffy greatness. Ugh, the acid bath. That's painful to watch. Not as painful as Luke Cage denying the fact that Diamondback's his brother, because I'm pretty sure he is. I mean, I'm no expert, but I'm pretty sure that he's not lying about that. And so I think Luke's going to have to come to grips with it, that he's got a brother. And uh family reunions aren't going to be fun. Because I think Diamondback speaks the truth. Because that's the thing about Diamondback. He's crazy, but I feel like he's truthful. Ah, Diamondback. Truth and craziness all combined. Well, I'll talk to you later, guys. Or gals, or whoever's on the other end of this phone. This is Agent Daniel. Peace out later. Bye. So, this was episode, what, 10? Yeah. No, episode 9. Dwick. And I don't know what that means. I'm sure it has something to do with uh, my song title. But you know what? I haven't looked into those right now, so I don't know what those mean. Future Ben, get on that, okay? Thanks. Hey, so all of this... You know, it's strange that I'd be talking to you, future Ben, because all of this is just about facing the future. Really, all this is about facing your own mortality. And this whole episode is about Luke Cage facing the possibility of dying. It's about uh, Misty, when you know, talking about facing the possibility of dying. It's about um, the politicians. Uh, what's her name? Whatever her name was, Alfred Woodward, or I got her actor's name. It doesn't matter. It's all wrong. Future Ben, you can fix it in post, right? You're not going to, but 
I know how much you hate editing. Uh, but she's facing her own mortality, just not just uh, the loss of her political career, but the loss of her life with Diamondback coming into the room like a well, like Joker in Dark Knight. But uh, and then of course you have all the other you know the crime bosses there who are also facing their own mortality. This is all about these people facing death, facing the final. Um, their final curtain, and you, you know that's that's good writing. Now there's some bad writing in this as well with some of the lines. Uh, what's up, Doc? I've always wanted to say that. I mean, that's not a very good line. And then Diamondbacks, uh, you know, ah, not right now. I like this song. There's some cliche going on here. There is, you know, um, like you know, it's okay, it's okay. But the the bottom line here is. Um, what they're all facing. Now, Diamondback says he's Luke Cage's brother. Luke Cage says there's no way he's my brother. And then you have the DNA. Luke Cage's DNA may mean that this, he's the only one that this experiment could work on. Not the only one if Diamondback is his brother. Are we looking at two Luke Cages walking around? Fighting? You know, both completely... Invincible? Possibly. Possibly. Anyway, it continues. Next episode is episode 10. So, um, oh, yeah, and here they're finally kind of taking on a little bit uh, some of the real-world um, racial politics that's going on. I, it's one thing I, I, I kind of wish they'd go a little deeper on that, but, um, you know, it's a superhero show. Maybe they, they shouldn't. I don't know. But eh, maybe they will. There's still four more episodes. Anyway, that's where I'm at right now. Bye, future Ben. Episode 10, Initial Reactions. Hey, Agent Daniel here just got done taking it personal. Luke Cage, I told you, brother. I told you that he was your brother. I was totally right. You were wrong. So there. Boom. Reva, you were no unconditional love, girl. You really weren't. It's part of me that thinks that maybe in the end with the whole escape thing, living in the road, that maybe in time that he came to, she came to love him and came to be honest, except she couldn't tell him that one thing because, you know, you would break his heart. Um, but my heart's a little broken. His comment that he, he doesn't love Reva anymore, but he, he loves them. The idea of her it makes me a little sad. Um, it also makes me a little sad that Claire is kind of into Luke. Um, I don't know. In the long run, who do I want Claire to be into? Not Misty, who got her arm shot, so is one clo- step closer to being bionic. Good, good. Well, bad. I mean, bad. You shouldn't get shot. But, I mean, she's going to be with Danny, so check. And then Luke. Hmm. Let's come back to this. I I love playing this romance game. I know Ben loves romance games. You know, the thing is, is I don't want her to be with Matt. Matt goes through women very quickly. When I say goes through, I mean, leads to their death or dismay or mental breakdowns. Um, so not her, uh, not him. Uh, you know what? Luke and Claire, I can dig it. I can see nice little double dates with Danny and Misty and Luke and Claire. I mean, it might be awkward since, you know, the physical relationship that Misty and Luke had, 
But, I mean, the thing is, is Danny's going to come from a different culture, so he he's going to be very giving and forgiving and worried, you know. He's not going to be worried. So, you know what? That does it. Claire and Luke, you, congratulations, have passed through the romance game. The Welcome to Level 7 Ben Avery romance game, as hosted by Daniel Butcher. Congratulations, you kids. You're getting married in the Defenders. I'm calling it now on behalf of Ben. Because he does love romance. Peace out later. Bye. So, take it personal. Right, future Ben. Take it personal, man. You know, um, one of the complaints I had, I wouldn't call it a complaint, but one of the things I had wondered is, you know, if they were going to, just how deep they were going to get with the, the racial politics. And I, I'm glad they went there. They, they they went there with this. And, um, you know, the, I wondered if they were going to, you know, go there and, and get give it more than just a surface level thing like they've done so far. And and they did. The only problem is that it just it's kind of a mixed signal that you're getting um, you know, with the whole, hey, we are going after the police right now with our rally, but really we're going after Luke Cage, which is a common enemy that we share with the police. And we don't like the police doing what they're doing, but we want to arm them more. Um, she's sending a mixed mixed message. Uh, and that's because she's trying to play both sides and, you know, it's, it, the, the show is not sending a mixed message. It's, it, it's the politician who's sending the mixed message. But anyway, um, beyond that, you know, we're back with, with, uh, his powers. He, he's, he's back in fighting form and, you know, night nurse, like I said, she's the one, um, you, you want on your side. Uh, at the end, when he's saving Misty and he's jumping and he lands holding her, I'm reminded of the pilot episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., where uh, I can't remember his name. Is it Mike Peterson? Is that who it was? Uh, jumping and, and saving the person. Um, it just seemed like it was a very similar, similar setup. Uh, they reference Jessica Jones and, and those events there. Um, yeah, it's just uh, the whole the whole thing. I, I just have to. <laughs> I don't know if I mentioned this before, but it all goes back to that Captain America formula idea, doesn't it? Uh, immortality. Imagine soldiers who can reheal. You know, and it's, it all goes back to that, doesn't it? Um, <clears throat> I'm trying to think of what else. Uh, there's, you know, it's all coming to a to a head here, and uh, we've got our our opposite for Luke Cage in in. Uh, Diamondback and Willis, and I guess I, that's what I want to end this on is uh, say what you're talking about, Willis. Um, that was dumb to end it on, but whatever. Um, he's got the power gloves. I thought he was going to get the DNA structure, but uh, he's definitely going to power up so he can go toe to toe with Luke. Can't wait to see it. That's all. Bye. It's like I go toe to toe with you. Future Ben.